Well, if you, if you do a quick Google search on the Holy Spirit, you're going to get millions of responses that range from things that are biblically accurate to things that are downright weird. But the Bible talks about God's Holy Spirit, and when Jesus Christ talks about God's Holy Spirit, he talks about how God's Spirit comes to live in the life of a believer. We've been in a series called Follow, where we've been talking about what it means to follow Christ and what Jesus meant by those two words, follow me. Jesus called people to follow him, not to accept a religion, not not to take on a new set of rules, but to change everything about themselves and follow a person, Jesus Christ. You don't hear us use the word Christian very often at LifePoint, and that's not because we think it's a bad word or there's anything wrong with it. It's because we believe that it's sort of lost its meaning in today's culture. better way to describe what a Christian is is by saying Christ follower. Because those two words by Jesus, follow me, gave us an opportunity to do what we could never have achieved on our own. When you hear Jesus say those words, when you read him say those words, what he's saying is, I'm willing to accept you right where you are. You don't have to get your life fixed up, changed, looking nice. You don't have to do any of that to come to me. I accept you right where you are. And he believes that we can live the life that we're created to live, the full life that God calls us all to live. And when we make that decision to take that step across the line and follow Christ, he promises that we will receive his Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about that from beginning to end. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now, going up the aisles. We hand these out every week at LifePoint because we believe that the words in there are true. And if you read them and apply them and get them into your heart, they will reveal to you what it means to have a relationship with the one true God. So if you don't have one, raise your hand. The ushers will give you a Bible. It's yours to keep. When I talk about spiritual things or talk about spirituality, that means different things to different people. You ask one person what it means to be spiritual and you may get one definition. You ask another person what it means to be spiritual and get a whole different definition. And if you watch talk shows, oh my gosh, and they're talking about spirituality. And you hear people say things like, well, I'm just finding my own path. You know, I watched some Oprah and some Dr. Phil, and and they said, if I just search deep inside myself, I'll find the truth, and I'll find what my life's supposed to be all about. And if I just search deep and hard enough, then then life is all going to start to make sense. Well, if you feel like that, if you're cafeteria spirituality, you know, where you just kind of take what you want and leave what you don't want and big helping of that, I don't want any of that, if that's you... Here's something you've got to come to grips with. If that's you, your spirituality is nothing more than your feelings. But the spirituality talked about in Scripture goes way beyond what we feel. See, people who think their spirituality is based on their feelings and what they can find deep inside themselves have to come to grips with, you can't always trust yourself. Has your, have your feelings ever been wrong? Anybody? Have you ever thought something and believed it with all of your heart and then you find out that it's wrong? Have you ever thought you're in love with somebody, y'all? You're just convinced he's the one, right? She's the one. Oh, there's the person that God's created for me. And then you found out that, you know, maybe it was that 
you know, the burrito you ate or something because it just wasn't there. And your heart deceived you. The Bible says that above all things, the heart's deceitful. So if you're trusting to go deep inside yourself and find the kind of spirituality that God designed us to live with, you won't find it because that kind of spirituality is just another way of saying, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. Jesus starts to talk about his Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, beginning at verse 16, when he says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus makes some interesting points about the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit that he's talking about is the same Holy Spirit you read about when you open up your Bible. Genesis 1, you start reading and it says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. That's the same Spirit, the same Spirit Jesus is talking about, the the breath of God. In the New Testament, he used the word pneuma, which just means breath or air. It's the same Spirit that the angel told Mary about when the angel said, there's a child in your womb, and that child's been put there by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the same Spirit Jesus is talking about when he's teaching his disciples. I know people who have followed Christ for years. And they're still not quite sure about this thing called the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're here for the first time today. And you're starting to think, oh man, they're getting all twilight zone on me. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and you know that weird video. What was all that got to do? Jesus had some very specific things he wanted his disciples to understand about the Holy Spirit. You need to write this down if you're taking notes. Here's some facts that you may or may not know about the Holy Spirit. If you already know it, write it down. Remember it again. If you've never heard this, this is going to help you think differently about the Holy Spirit. First thing is, the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. A lot of times I hear people talk about the Spirit and they'll say, it moved me, the Spirit. It's like, it's this or it's that. But the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal energy force. The Holy Spirit is a he. You wouldn't, ladies, you wouldn't look out and see your husband driving up the driveway and say, well, it's home. You know, it wants dinner again. You know, it wants its clothes washed. No, you don't. Hopefully you don't speak to each other that way. You say, he, he is home because it's personal. And the Holy Spirit is a personal thing. It's a personal, a person. It's not He's not an impersonal energy force. Another thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is fully God. Now that may make you go, what what do you mean fully God? I thought Jesus and, you know, I'm not getting this whole thing. The Holy Spirit is God. And, And you've maybe heard the word the Trinity. I'm talking about the three different personalities of God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The best way I've ever heard it described when we're trying to determine, okay, how's the Holy Spirit God and Jesus God and the Father God, but yet Jesus prays, is he praying to himself? And he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he's talking about himself. What's he talking about? Best way I've ever heard it described is 
What's this? Scientifically, how would you say this, y'all? H2O. Somebody said it. This is H2O. Now, if I were to stick this in the freezer and leave it there for a few hours and pull it back out, what would it be? It would still be H2O. If I were to pour it into a pan, put it on the stove top and boil it and steam rose up, what would that steam still be? H2O. So it's all fully water, but it's all fully H2O, but in three distinct forms. And that's how it is when you hear someone talk about the Trinity. When they talk about the Father being God, they talk about Jesus being God and the Holy Spirit being God. Three different personalities, all one God. Just like ice is no less water than liquid. Liquid's no less water than steam. The same is true about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we baptize people, we say, I'm baptizing you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit, He is fully God. Also in the book of Genesis, when you read, just start at the beginning and start reading, it's not long before you read the, the sentence, let us make man in our own image. Who's the us? Who, who's God talking to? Who, that's the three distinct personalities of God. That's the us. So, the Holy Spirit's a he, not an it. The Holy Spirit is fully God. So what does he do? Well, back to this verse in John 14. Jesus, Jesus is talking to his disciples who had been following him. And he's starting to tell them something that's beginning to disturb them. He's telling them he's going to be leaving. He's not going to be with them anymore. And they're starting, starting to worry, starting to wonder. And Jesus senses that. And he says this, verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. That word advocate could also be translated helper or counselor. It comes from a Greek word, parakletos. And that means someone who is standing beside, someone who speaks on behalf of another, an advocate, a counselor, a helper. And Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit being the one who stands in our defense and provides comfort. I have a friend who is a child advocate worker. And he stands in defense and advocates for those children. He's their counselor. He's their helper. When they can't speak for themselves, he speaks for them. He's their parakletos. He stands up for them. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for people who follow Christ. You never have to be alone. When I was in junior high, I remember... One of the times I got in a little bit of trouble. Well, this time it was a lot of trouble. But this was different. I didn't do it. it was, I, I honestly was completely innocent. And my dad worked across the street from the junior high, so I thought, I'm going to call dad. And he's going to come over here, and my dad a little feisty, and I thought, he's just going to tell this principal, look, leave my son alone. He didn't do it. And I thought, he's going to stand up for me. So I'm sitting there, my chest out, my arms crossed, just saying, call my dad. Get him to come over here. My dad walks in the door. Before I get a chance to say anything, he's got that look on his face, and I'm thinking it's towards the principal, but I find out a little bit differently when he starts to talk. 
He said, look, I don't have time to be coming over here. I am trying to work. Now bust his butt and send him back to class. That's back in the days when they could paddle you. And I'm standing there like, Dad, I didn't do it. And he said, yeah, yeah, but I know you may have done, you probably done a lot of things you never got caught for. So let this count for that. I was like, oh, great. So he was not my paracletos. He did not, he didn't stand up for me. And I was standing there with a principal and a big wooden board and me, my dad already back out the door. I didn't have an advocate that day. With the Holy Spirit, you are never left like that, ever. When you follow Christ, you have an advocate that's with you all the time. Jesus goes on to say this to these guys who are fearful of him leaving. He says in John 16, verse 7, It's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. Jesus is talking to the same people when he's saying, It's best that I go away. He's talking to the same people who left everything to follow him. Those fishermen that we talked about the first week who dropped their nets and followed Christ. The tax collectors that said, there's got to be a better way to life. We're going to follow Christ. And now he's saying, it's better if I leave you. And they've got to be thinking, we were losers and now we're leaders. We were living a passionless life and now we've got passion and purpose and direction because of this man Jesus. And now he's saying he's leaving and it's a good thing. Think about it from their perspective. They had Jesus physically with them. But think about what life would be like if you physically had Jesus with you all the time. Think about how much less you would sin because Jesus is with you. And he'd hear you thinking, you just have to be driving along going, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to think that, you know. I mean, he would know. Or think about how much easier it would be to tell your friends about Christ. You could just say, hey, Jesus and I are going to catch a movie this afternoon, maybe go out for pizza, you want to go. Wouldn't it be simple? So those guys in their human minds are thinking, what's going on? How are we going to do this without Christ? Why does he think it's better off that we're not, that he's not with us? But he believes that somehow we're better off without him here physically. Jesus said, if you follow me, my Holy Spirit will live in you. That's not a spirituality that you can dig deep inside and find. You can't advocate for yourself. There's days you don't even know which, which direction to go, what, what, what your thoughts are doing to you, that you can't even sort things out. That's what his spirit is for. The Bible even says that when we can't communicate, those of us who follow Christ can't even communicate to God how we feel that his spirit communicates to the Father exactly what's on our hearts. And you will never find that on your own. You'll never find that digging deep inside yourself because you will let yourself down eventually. So why did Jesus say we're better off? Here's a few reasons. The Holy Spirit gives me power to do what I could never do on my own. He gives me power to do things I could never do on my own. A few weeks ago, I was cleaning out a drawer in my office. I found a piece of paper that was almost 13 years old. It's been longer than that. I mean, it hasn't been that long since I cleaned out my drawers. But I was going through my files, and I found this paper, and it had this guy's name, Michael, and it has his, his address on there. Michael is an inmate at the Angola State Prison in Louisiana, where I got to visit for a little while. I mean, I was there voluntarily, you know, kind of went in and talked <laughs> and, and, and got to sit down with this guy, Michael, who was about my age, and he was there for life, no possibility of parole at all. He had murdered someone. 
two people. And in the process of the trial and the conviction and the sentencing, someone told him about Christ. And he became a follower of Christ. And just like with us, God's Holy Spirit came to live inside of this criminal. And I, was, I just remember feeling this despair that this guy's going to be here for the rest of his life. But he didn't have the same despair that even I did. Because now he understood that he was paying a debt because of something he'd done that was wrong. That was the consequences. He was making the best of it. And the last I heard, Michael was sharing Christ through Bible studies with other men in prison, especially the men that were there without the possibility of parole. I don't think that's something that you can, a power that you can find deep inside yourself. That's a power that only comes from something outside of us. You may have caught yourself thinking if you've been around LifePoint for a while, Donnie does not know what he's doing. That makes two of us might think that. Back in 2005, I wrote this down in my journal. I said, God, I don't want to grow a church. I want you to grow a church and let me go along for the ride. So all the good stuff, all the changed lives, those of you that are going to go and and celebrate in that baptism service with us today and see there's people showing publicly what Christ has done in their hearts, that's all because of God. It's not because somebody figured out a slick way to market or somebody figured out a slick, cool place to meet or, or cool music. None of that. All of it is because God's Holy Spirit works in the hearts of people to produce the results that only God can produce. And it all comes from His power. Do you think our worship leaders, our worship pastors, Joel and Eddie, do you think they're smart enough to pick out just the right songs every week? I mean, I work with them. They're not. (laughs) But somehow they sit down at their desks and they write out, the songs that we need to sing when we're talking about, here's the topic, here's what we're doing, and they'll, they'll put just the right songs with that. Not because they're so smart, but because they're open to God's Spirit to say, who's sitting in the seats this week that needs the message of this song? And that was made so clear last week at our other location. After I spoke, this person came up to speak to me and just tears streaming down their face because a song spoke to them. Because the song told, it just told them what their heart couldn't say. That can only happen by the Holy Spirit. We're not, as humans, talented enough to do stuff like that. But God, through His Holy Spirit, brings us power that we could never have on our own. And you felt that power too when you pray for somebody and you see a change. When a relationship that you thought was over all of a sudden is healed. Or when you break free from something that's been burdening you for years. Or when you have this burst of creativity and it just inspires you. You read a book or you read his holy scriptures. Or maybe if if you're not even a follower of Christ, something drew you here today. And I believe that's the power of God's spirit working in your life. Even before you make a decision to cross that line. And follow him. We've all experienced something we knew was outside of ourselves. And that's his spirit. So your feelings won't get you there. The Holy Spirit also brings change to be what I could never be 
on my own. I was with a friend of mine a few days ago. He's a pastor of a church in Charlotte, meets in a movie theater, just a lot like LifePoint. And he was telling me the story of a guy who was going to deliver the message last week, the sermon part of the service. And he first met the guy two years ago when the guy was asleep in his car in the parking lot as they pulled in to set up for church. And he came in looking for something, strung out on coke and alcohol. They began to build a friendship with that guy. Not long, he accepted Christ, put his addictions behind him. And last week, he stood up in front of a couple hundred people and shared God's word. That's the Holy Spirit changing someone's life in a way they could never change it on their own. He couldn't have willed that into his life with all of his power. Only by God's Spirit could something like that happen. And the Holy Spirit isn't just there to give us something outside to change us, but he comes in and renews us and changes us from the inside. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. When you decide to follow Christ, all things are made new. The Holy Spirit also brings peace that's beyond my understanding. Everybody wants peace, right? I don't think I've ever met a person that came to my office and said, I really need more chaos in my life. If you kind of coach me through, you know, messing my life up a little bit with stress, I really need to do that. Nobody does that. Everybody wants to know how they can get to a peaceful time in their life. We all want to be there. And I've watched people who handle tragedies in their life, divorce, addictions, all those things. And I've watched people who I know have the Spirit of Christ in their life, and I watch them handle it. And then I watch people who don't or aren't aware of His Spirit, and I watch how they handle it. It's very different. There's a peace that is with the person who is aware and follows Christ in the midst of tragedy. There's still a peace, even though it's painful, it hurts, you know, all that. All those human emotions are still there, but there's still an underlying peace that passes human understanding, and you'll never dig deep enough to find that, only through His Spirit. If you watch the news lately, you've seen the stories of the really bad people who have been stealing people's money. A big scam, telling them, make an investment, and they're paying other people with that investment, and then it all came crumbling down a few months ago, and now somebody's going to go to prison because all these billions of dollars were stolen. It's gone. People's life savings are gone, wiped out in their 60s. They have zero. And when, the, when the, one of the guys that did that was in, in the courtroom getting arraigned or sentenced or whatever they were doing with him, they had all, all people outside who had lost money because of this guy's investment scheme. And the reporter was going down the line saying, you may have seen this, what do you think they should do to him? What do you think he should get? And people were saying, I think he needs, they need to bring him out here and let us stone him. They need to cut his head off. They need to make him work hard labor, busting rocks for the rest of his life. And just all these things that need to happen. And then they came to this one lady, and they were talking about the millions that were lost. They came to this one lady, and they said, what do you think should happen to him? And she goes, well, he should probably go to prison for the rest of his life for what he's done. But she said, you know what I've learned through this whole process? And she lost $3.5 million. She and her husband had to sell all their assets that they had left to move back in with family. They were nearing, they thought nearing retirement. And she said, what I've learned is I've got my health, I've got my family, and I've got my faith. 
And all that stuff I lost was just paper. And I thought, that lady gets some kind of peace. And, you know, the reporter was like, okay, next. You know, he was ready to move on. The next person, because he didn't compute, he didn't get it. And immediately I got it. I thought, that lady's got peace because three and a half million dollars late in life to be lost. That's huge. You're not going to get that back. You don't have time. But somehow, in the middle of that tragedy, in the middle of her pain, she was able to find some peace and say, that's just a bunch of paper. But look what I've got. Look what I've got that I couldn't produce on myself, by myself. And she understood there's peace that goes beyond understanding. And that's what the Holy Spirit provides. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So the amount of peace in my life is directly, to re- directly related to the amount of God's Holy Spirit in my life. So I just went through my life and I wrote down where are areas where I don't have peace. Because there are some. Even pastors deal with that. The honest ones do anyway. And so I'm writing down these areas with no peace. And I realized those are the areas of my life I have not allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and have control. And the same is true with you. The areas where I feel a lack of peace, that's an area where I'm saying I no Holy Spirit in here. Jesus believes we're better off with that than we are with him standing right beside of us. Galatians 5 verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. When someone becomes a Christ follower, it's not just a decision or taking on a new religion. It's making a decision to follow a person. And when we do that, God's Holy Spirit literally comes to live in the life of people who follow Christ. And that phrase, walk in the Spirit, could also be translated as you live your life. So what he's saying is those of you who follow Christ, as you live your life, be aware, take advantage of, allow him to speak on your behalf. The Holy Spirit will be with you and provide peace and, and make your life a way that you could never find on your own. So Christ followers, as you go about your daily lives, as you go about whatever you do, Be aware of His Spirit. I know people who have followed Christ for decades and they're not aware of His Spirit. My truck that I drive has a a big V8 in it. I don't don't know why. It just doesn't. So it's got this big V8 and I I rarely use it. Four four cylinders would be fine with me. But it's got a V8. So Joel, our worship pastor, and I were driving all the time and he'll say, man, kick it, put it down, let's pass, let's go. You got a V8 in this thing, use it. And he doesn't realize it costs me $45, you know, in gas every time I floor it, but I never use it. I've got it. I've got it at my disposal, but I never use it. A lot of people who follow Christ could be living on eight cylinders the way life was meant to be, but they're only living on four. And if you follow Christ, I challenge you this week to be aware, to walk in his spirit and use all eight cylinders to have that power and that change, and that peace that you could never find on your own. And if you're one of those people that are still coming to life point, you're why we do what we do. If you, if you don't know Christ yet, if you've never taken that step across the line, 
you know more now about the Holy Spirit than many people who call themselves Christians out there. You've got more knowledge now of what it means to have His Holy Spirit living in you than people who would say, yes, I follow Christ. And I hope today has helped you take one step closer to that line, to crossing that line and following Christ. May each of you live this week feeling the power of His Holy Spirit in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your Spirit and your peace. Father, we know that that your Spirit lives in us when we follow you. And I pray for every person here that they are aware that, that your Spirit is living in every Christ follower. And that people who have not made a decision yet to follow Christ, I pray that they are aware that your spirit continues to draw them back here again and again. I pray this in Jesus' name.